Our text is Exodus chapter 32, so let's go to Exodus chapter 32. And we've been looking at Satan's strategy against uh, believers down through the ages. I mean, Old Testament, it happened in New Testament as well. It's pretty well the same strategy. And in a nutshell, it's bringing the world into the church and changing the church to look like the world. And every time that that has happened, it happened in Israel, they would lose just about everything, go into captivity. They went into captivity on different occasions, and then they uh, come back. They just wouldn't have as much as they had before, and it just seemed like God had to do it again. Then you have the churches in, in uh, the book of Revelation, the seven churches. <clears throat> Same thing with them. Uh, they lost it all because they went to the world. And that's been the way the devil, his strategy down through the years in fighting against the people of God and trying to bring the people of God. Uh, you know, he can't take your salvation, but he can influence you in such a way that you can lose reward. And that's what you don't want to do. You don't want to be ashamed at his appearing. So I, with those thoughts in mind, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get into the uh, message. Uh, Father, I pray now as we look into your word, I just pray that you'd make it clear for everyone. I pray that there is one who is not sure if they died today that heaven's their home. I pray that today would be the very day they come and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If there's one who has wandered far from you, Lord, I pray that today would be the very day that they come back, coming to Jesus, coming out of what the world has gotten into their life, coming back into the ways of righteousness and true holiness. Lord, just do a special work in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, last time we considered the need in America, and for that matter, for all the countries of this world, is basically consecrated Christians. God has given us that ministry. If you're saved, you have that ministry. To be a consecrated, totally committed to Jesus Christ Christian. Uh, as believers, we need to determine to continue in serving God instead of continuing in spiritual defeat week after week after week. The hope for this country or any country, for that matter, this county, again, that, that was great what uh, you folks showing up for that. But I hope we also saw a lot of souls there that need to get saved. And, and so we need to have that heart. We need to have that concern for them. In Christ, there is victory. Without Christ, there is no victory. And so what the church needs today, when I talk about the church, I'm talking about local churches throughout this country and around the world. And what is needed today are some Moseses who will stand up for Jesus Christ in a very continual but also very honest manner. The hope of Christians who are continually consecrated to Jesus Christ, consecrated to our God, we must see if that's what we're going to be. For that hope to be reached, we need to do, as it says in verses 30 and 31 of our text, because Moses is giving us an example this is an example, I would say, first of all, that pastors need to follow. 
Evangelists need to follow. Preachers need to follow this first thing. And that's coming between God and the people in intercession. Interceding. For those who do that, now is the time. Those that want to do that, should I say, now is the time. This generation is in need. In our text it says, And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin. Now I will go up unto the Lord. Per adventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. Well, here's Moses. He's coming between God and the people, but he's letting the people know, this is your sin. This is your sin. But also he's coming between God and the people for the glory of God. He loves his people enough to try to stand in the gap, make up that hedge so that they can be turned around and go in the paths of righteousness that the mighty Judging hand of God does not come upon them. Already 3,000 have died because of this sin. So he comes between the people and God for God's glory and the people's deliverance. See, there's, there's a double thing there. He wants to glorify God. That's first. That's foremost. But he also wants his people to be delivered. That should be our heart. I mean, we have that. You say, well, that's Old Testament. Yeah, Old Testament says, thou shalt not kill. But that doesn't give us a license to kill since that's Old Testament. And so we go on about things that you say is Old Testament. The Old Testament said, love one another. Well, that's Old Testament. Don't have to do that anymore. Okay? Again, uh, sometimes people say, well, that's Old Testament. They're showing their ignorance. Because if they're going to say that and believe that and they're going to be consistent in that, then they've got to say that about the other things the Old Testament says. So please, don't go and say that's the Old Testament. You're going to show ignorance that uh, maybe people around you may not realize it's so ignorant, but when you stand before God, it'll be utterly ignorant and foolish. And so I hope, I hope that none are, are like that in our midst here today. So he's standing between God and the people, interceding. And he calls that sin what it is to God. And, and, and to call the people to God, he's calling them for repentance. He's calling them for a revival in that, a revival that needs to come. And there needs to be a change. There needs to be, in God's people, a renewed consecration. Now, I just read a letter earlier of a note that uh, uh, a young man had emailed to us that was listening to WTYG. I say young man, I'm not sure how old he is now, but he rode the buses when he was 14 years old and got saved here. But let me ask you a question. What about the people that had that heart? I think of Brother Ernie Michael. He's with the Lord, but he had that heart. What about the people that have given up, quit, don't do it anymore? Oh, look at the souls that we lose. And look what happens in America. You know, you can teach, quit 
singing the choir. You can quit, quit uh, teaching Sunday school class. You can be a Christian school teacher and quit. You, you can just quit, 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 quit. Problem you have is there's no scripture in there that says, hey, quit serving God. Listen, I believe God calls people. I, I believe He calls pastors from one church to another. I believe He calls evangelists to go to certain places. I believe He calls missionaries to certain fields. And if he leads out, I'll guarantee you what I have found in my, my self, my ministry, my life, and I don't think that I'm any different than anybody else in the way God leads, but I believe that God will give you scriptures and will impress on your heart a ministry when people are looking for just a way out, they are walking out a, a way out of that particular position. They're walking out on God. They're walking out on their call. That was happening in Israel. And that's how the world got in. And that's what we must be careful of, that it doesn't happen here at Central Baptist Church or any other local church. Those that are listening, uh, don't let it happen to you. So, looking at, look at verse 30. And it came to pass on the morrow that, well, the people that Moses said unto the people, ye have sinned a great sin. And now will I go up unto the Lord, peradventure, he shall make an atonement for your sin. Now, I said that again because I want you to get the impact of what our sin as Christians does before an all-holy God. Because he sees everything. He is the all-seeing. He is the omnipotent, the almighty God. And we need to keep that in our mind. And we must realize also, as Moses was going to the Lord to intercede, we must also intercede more fervently now because I believe that Jesus is coming soon. And whether I believe that or not, I do, but whether I believe that or not, He is coming soon. And it's not based on my belief, it's based on God's Word and His timing. So, here is somebody standing between God and His people for God's glory. Do you have children that have wandered from God? Do you have uh, friends that have wandered from God? Do you have others that have gone into false doctrine and things like that? You knew one time they were faithful. It's time for you to come and, if you know that, to intercede and stand between them and God, seeking to bring them back, speaking to God for them, but you also have to speak to them for God. See, it, it's both ways. <clears throat> and so, he has interceded. He's calling sin what it is to God and he calls sin what it is to the people because there needs to be a revival of righteousness and true holiness in the people. That's what has to happen in the churches today. If the churches continue to be the center of rock and roll in religion, don't expect God's hand to be upon the church or the country when you're, we are offending His holiness and His righteousness and His person. Now, there are saved people who seem to have uh, 
at one time had that love and commitment to Christ. They were serving the Lord. They were after it. Well, the church still needs that person. God still wants you in the local church to do that. Moses did not tone down the gravity of the sin of the children of Israel to God. He didn't tone that down at all. He let them know that they've done corruption, they've done evil, they've done sin. He just let them know what they've done is bad. They had corrupted the worship of God. And corrupting the worship of God is abominable, even though, but you know, my kids will go to church, or I like to go to church where we can get down. Now, I actually had a guy say to me one time, I was inviting him, he says, yeah, I, I've been there. He says, y'all don't know how to get down. I says, I know, we get up. <laughs> he just kind of gave me a look like, huh? Uh, but, you know, and, and they probably don't understand spiritual things. If they set through and they get excited about that, when the devil, when the world has a more of an impact, I'm going to go there because, boy, they have this music. They don't have all those stupid standards that the church over there has. Those are the people that if they are saved are going to wake up in heaven too late to do anything about it and perhaps see grandchildren that never heard because they dropped the ball when the flesh was more important to them than their walk with God. Yes, people need to know what's going on. Verse 31 said, And Moses returned <clears throat> unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Do you see the purpose of his prayer? The purpose, yes, is to admit the sin, but he's seeking to restore the people bringing them to true repentance and faith and to back to a life that honors the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, a life that is consecrated to God. So Moses comes between God and the people to keep them from God's wrath. Although Moses, you saw how angry he got when he came off the mountain, he threw down those tablets. He was angry. He was angry at sin. That's righteous indignation. Amen. And it's a sh greater shame when we lose that. But guess what? <clears throat> King David, boy, we can talk about the bad things of him. David and Bathsheba, that's the first story the world likes to go to. and The world likes to make movies of it and then let you know David was the king. He was supposed to be God's man. Look what he did. I mean, the world wants you to know that. But the world doesn't want to make a movie out of Psalms chapter 51. Where he says, Create in me a clean heart and a right spirit, O Lord. 
He would turn others to, to Christ. He would turn others to the Lord as, as he had opportunity as he prays that prayer and you hear his prayer of confession and repentance and, and turning it back over to the Lord. But that teaches us, Psalms 51 teaches us because after Psalms 51, which David wrote, which was after his sin, there were other psalms telling us a man or a woman that has gone so far the wrong direction can still be restored. They might not be restored to do the same things, but they can be restored to serve God and serve God effectively. But the question is, are there any more Moseses for the church today? The question is, is, will you stand? Will I stand? Are we right with God? And can we do it consistently? Oh, the devil will throw up things in your heart and mind. Well, if you do that, guess what's going to happen to your children? If you do that, guess what the way people are going to think about you? If you do that, if I don't do it, think what God's going to do. You think those people can do more than what God can? Get your heart and mind stayed upon Jehovah where your hearts are fully blessed, as the Bible says. Are you right with God as you are right now? <clears throat> Can you do it for your own family? Are there secret sins? Are there those hidden things of darkness? Nobody knows, but they're so important for you to protect your pride. But one thing you can't stop is people who participated in the, those hidden things of darkness participated with you. You can't hide it from them from saying anything. The only thing you can do for people who may have participated, whether it's robbery, whether it's drugs, whether it's adultery, whether it's anything else, the only way you can do is to, to let them know that God has saved you, that He has changed you, and He wants to do the same for them. Then you're doing the right thing. You see, eternity, the Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians 4, 5, that the secret things, the hidden things of darkness, will be made known. Well, I told God to forgive me. He's willing to forgive you, but He's willing for you to make it right first with those who need to make right. But He forgives it. If you forsake it, He'll forgive. That's the God we have. He loves you. He wants you to be a pure and holy thing. And so, don't let your sin be the cause of a family member, of a friend, going away from Jesus. If they're saved, saved so as by fire. If they're not saved, going to hell. And you were there and did not make things right. Get it right. Look, a spiritually weakened parent, a spiritually weakened Christian 
who enjoyed sin for the season does not realize that they may have done that at the expense of not only your shame at the judgment seat of Christ, but the cost of, for your family. Look at verse 31. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people, they have sinned a, a great sin. You notice what Moses didn't say? Well, yes, Lord, I know this sin, but it really wasn't that bad. You know, sometimes I'll say this, one of the dumbest things a person can say, one of the dumbest things a parent can say is to stand up for their child and they've done wrong and say, well, it wasn't that bad. Okay, just go ahead and push your child more towards the devil because that's what that does. Well, I'm standing up for my child. If you're going to stand up for your child, correct them in the way of righteousness, back up that which stands for righteousness instead of saying, well, you shouldn't have got onto my children. Be wise. Don't forget, that child of yours is going to have your grandchildren, and if you don't see it as that bad, your grandchildren are going to be in hell. Wise up. Do God's will, God's way, in God's timing. Don't let anything take you from it. And so, don't ever say it's not that bad because it will always be that bad. Moses knows. He knows. They are really not back to where they ought to be. He knows the people there his people there in the wilderness with him are deserving God's wrath. No, he's not going to excuse sin in any way. You see, excusing sin never saves your family. It doesn't save your country. Other people are going to do it. Maybe the multitudes will do it. But it is our God that leads. It's His Word that leads. It's His Holy Spirit that leads. And it is not what all the others are doing. It's God's Word. Now I want to give you a present day illustration that will truly reveal what... Uh, well, that that is tried, that never brings victory. Sometimes you are tried, but don't concede to the trials of your faith. Don't concede and say, I give up. I wasn't wanting this kind of a trial in my life. I don't know that any of us want trials in our life. But I do believe what Scripture that says that the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. And if He's made heaven, and He has, with streets of gold, it must be important in reward for a Christian in heaven. God has a specific will for your life. I mean, look at Ephesians uh, chapter uh, 2, verses 8 through 10. 
<clears throat> where it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You didn't ever earn salvation. If you're saved today, you didn't earn it. I was so good. Man, I just really had my life so straight that, well, when I asked God to save me, He just had to save me. No. You never get good enough. Jesus came to die for sinners, not the righteous. He came to die for sinners. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, you didn't do a thing about it to get yourself saved. God did it all. Again, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Remember Romans 6, 23, for the wages, what we've earned. What we've earned, just like these people, they earned God's judgment upon God's wrath. For the wages, what we have worked for now and deserve to get paid for, for the wages of sin is death, final, complete, separation from God forever in a lake of fire. And if you've not received Christ as your Savior, you have earned going to hell. Now think of that. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6.23 says, so in Romans 2, 8 through 10, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, too often we stop at verse 8. We don't go on to uh, verses 8 and 9, but we don't look at verse 10. For we, the saved, are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained. That means He made it His will for every saved person, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God has a specific thing for your life. Now, you say, well, I'm not real sure what that specific thing is for me. So what is this illustration of this commitment that you're talking about, this consecration? <clears throat> You've heard Brother Lloyd tell about it. You've heard me tell about it, but I'll just repeat it again here. <clears throat> Gary and Janet Tomberman. We have supported them for over 30 some years. He came to a missions conference here as a missionary. And a lot of you remember Brother Bernie Rogers. He was the main preacher for that meeting. It was a great meeting. But Gary didn't have his wife with him. And there was a reason for that. They had just come home on furlough. His wife had been raped in Brazil to those people they were trying to minister to. They were robbed at gunpoint on several occasions. That's the trial of the faith. Guess what? When the furlough was up, they went back. Those young people that did that are now 83 years old, still serving there. They're still serving. The trial of their faith was a great trial, but they didn't quit. You see, circumstances do not call you. God does. Oh, yes, those thugs got a hold of them, but those thugs, those terrible people that did these things to them, they went back because they realized those people need to be saved. They went back because 
that told them there is even a greater need than we thought there. They want to be saved. What has God called you to do? You know, sometimes I see people have great talents. Some can sing, but they won't get in the choir because it requires going to practice. Some can drive a bus, but man, I don't want to do it with that bunch of kids. I don't want to go knock on doors. Some could go to visitation, but no, nah, I don't want to do that. It's my day off. Have you ever thought about how those circumstances, excuses, will stand at the judgment seat of Christ? Because it will come out. And you're at the judgment seat of Christ, at least you're at the seat where the saved are. But it'll determine either reward or loss of reward. And see, I said here in verse 10, He has ordained that specific will for you. You better be seeking, God, what do you want me to do? Not everybody's called to be a missionary in the foreign field. Not everybody's called to be a pastor. Not everybody's called to be an evangelist that travels around. But I can tell you one thing, we're all called to be witnesses. We're all called to be faithful. He says to, in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, which is given in a very imperative way, to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. So many have been saying like, the boy, the Lord must be coming soon. Well, then he says, be more faithful. So much the more as you see the day approaching. If you really believe what you're saying, then be more faithful. He says to provoke one another into love and good works. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus gave us another will. Men ought always to pray and not faint. In other words, don't quit. He always told us in, he told us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, that we're to be separated from this world. Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. He said, well, Pastor, that sounds like you talking. Well, no, I'm just giving you the God's Word. As I said earlier, you can be called to be a Christian school teacher or you can be called to be a Sunday school teacher, whatever. Look, the Holy Spirit led you. You know that God led you. Then don't quit. Don't let circumstances change. Understand, circumstances are the trial of your faith. And if I can look at the Tomberlands, and say, if there was anybody who had a reason not to go back, they had it. But they went back, and they're still faithfully serving today. Well, they didn't do things the way I like them to do it. That's probably why they're over you. The way you like it to be done isn't right. Now, I'm not talking about anybody specific. Don't say, I wonder who he's talking about. Maybe he's talking about school. Maybe he's talking about the bus ministry. Maybe he's talking about Sunday school. Maybe No. I'm talking about the will of God. He'll always give you the word of God uh, where he wants you to go. He'll show you that he wants you to go, and he'll show you where he wants you to go as you seek his will. But if you're just going to leave because of circumstances and and and. It hasn't been the leading of the Lord, just circumstances. You're, leading, you're headed for a fall. I want you to be right with God. 
because reading Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, I find that I'll be asked one day, did I preach what I'm preaching to you right now? And if I didn't, then that's on me. But if I did, then I'll do it with grief because that's on you. And the tears will be from your eyes as you see that loss of reward, that reward that was so wonderful that it's going to give you that it's been passed on to someone else. And you know that if you'll read the Scripture. Circumstances should never determine your faith. That means your faith is lacking. It's the Word of God that should always lead. Look, understand, missionaries get old. They're required to come back at a certain age. I'm surprised the Tomberlands just weren't back, but somehow they were able to come, uh, stay on the field. Most missionaries required by age 70 to come back off the field. They can serve in other ways. They can go in and substitute at times for a missionary that's going home on furlough. But most of the time they can't do that. They're retired. And they want to still serve God. But you see, you don't leave until God leads you to quit. Do that throughout your life. Throughout history, Satan's attacks on believers has always been using the world and backslidden believers to sound the trumpet of retreat from God's biblical way and will. True commitment comes to consecrated living, being in the Word of God daily, seeking to do God's will daily, even when under the most fierce of attack by the devil. The church with the contemporary will soon lose it all. Look, I can remember being told you got to get rid of those standards. God didn't change it. I preacher every once in a while mentions going to the movies. Oh, that's spiritually uplifting, isn't it? What do they see on there? What do they see in their advertisements and everything else, Phil? But now churches are saying, okay, well, we won't take a stand on that. And some churches, they give free tickets to a movie of your choice if you'll just come visit their church. That's Phil. And then it goes beyond that. They bring in the music. Nobody would have ever thought this kind of music would be in the churches that's in there today. But you see, it's here. One thing I know, man, that woke culture there with their LGBTQ is not going to be in the church. You remember when preachers used to preach the word and say, uh, hey, Women aren't supposed to be pastors of churches, and now even Baptist churches are ordaining them to be pastors. Do you think that there won't be an LGBTQ pastor in some of these Baptist, Methodist, 
Catholics or whatever else is out there. There will be if there's not revival in America. But worse than that is the wrath of God coming down on America. I'm not going to say this as a fact, okay, but when I'm going to say this next thing, it may be something that's happening. Look at the tornadoes that have hit over here the last few weeks. Look at the souls that have been killed. Look at the school shootings. It, everybody's focused on Tennessee. That's not the only place it's happening. It's going on. It's going on all around you. There doesn't want us to take away your guns from you so you can't shoot back. You know? There's some states, somebody breaks into your home, coming after your family and taking everything. Now, if you shoot them, you're in trouble. That's ignorance. No, that's more than ignorance. That's the devil. And there is the possibilities of, when we talk about nuclear war, they've talked about that for years, but just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean there won't be that. It's time to wake up. It's got to begin with us. And we can't expect everybody else to see what we're doing and they're going to go on. Do you think church is going to give more to missions because of what God did here? I understand God did that. What Brother Randy told you about, boy, I appreciate Brother Randy standing in the gap on that. But God did that through him. Okay. God did it. Remember Herod? He took credit for, when they said, oh, he talks like a God, he started taking credit. He felt so good, he beheaded James. Well, he talks like a God. Well, okay, you're going to take that glory? All right, God killed him. Our greatest failure, perhaps, is not to give the glory that is due unto the Lord. Now, I admit, most everything I've said today has been to Christians about having it right. What's it going to take? What's it going to take for you to be right with God if you're not? What's it going to take? Does He have to hit your family? Does he have to hit your marriage? Does he have to hit your own health? I'm glad we had forefathers that wanted the freedom to worship God. And they gave their lives that we could have this country that we've had. But that can be lost just like Israel lost everything when they went away from the God that got them there. Don't replace our God with the world. Don't try to justify things. Whatever it takes to make you quit, serving the Lord 
whatever makes you to, takes to make you quit being faithful, whatever it takes in all of those things, whatever it takes to make you stop, is the measure of your Christianity. It's the measure of your faith. Perhaps today, as a Christian, you need to come back and say, Jesus, I come to thee. I need thee. I need you right now. But you know what? All the stuff I've said to Christians means absolutely nothing if you're not saved, if you don't know that if you die today that heaven's your home. See, I don't want this service to close without first giving you an opportunity that if you're not 100% sure, you cannot give a scriptural reason that if you died today that heaven be your home. It's not a, well, I hope so. I mean, I talked to a man two weeks before his death. When I asked him that question, he said, well, I hope so. Now, Jesus lets us know you can know so. And you can walk out of this auditorium today knowing that if you die today, that heaven would be your home if you receive him as your Lord and Savior. Oh, I hope that you'll do that today. Let's bow our heads.